When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Making offers and cashing checks. What's new? What's next? With Ashley Montillon. Hey, hey, what's going on, my friends? Ash here bringing you what's new and what's next at Epic Real Estate. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving this past weekend. Um, I know times are crazy right now, but um, hey, if we can all find at least one thing that we are thankful for, then I think that constitutes any great day. Um, All right, well, let's get right into it and let's start with what's new. Our epic investors are surely making their way through the holidays, still closing deals, not slowing down, and it is very awesome to see. So Chris, he closed uh, two small wholesale deals uh, for $5,800, and he has two more that he's closing on the way uh, for a total of $12,500, um, and he's doubling down on his marketing spend for December. Um, Tony, he said he finally closed and got paid on a wholesale deal. Awesome to see you posting, Tony, and congratulations. Tony joined us for REI Ace not too long ago. So um, big congrats on this subject to deal. Um, Raymond, he got one wholesale deal that closed this past Tuesday, and he got another one under contract just yesterday. JD, all right, so JD said that it was a big week for them. They closed on one townhouse for their portfolio, uh, closed on a $5,000 assignment, went under contract with a buyer on a $10,000 assignment, And most importantly, um, these are in his words, he said, um, today I am separating from the Air Force after 16 plus years and moving into real estate full time. Man, JD, that definitely sounds like quite a push forward. This is amazing. Uh, I'll be on the lookout for your name in the group. Um, Keep on trekking and you got it. That's awesome, JD. Brooks, $23,000 in closed assignment, um, put $68,000 of assignments into escrow to close in December um, and locked up another property um, while writing this post. That's great news there, Brooks. Congratulations. You look like you are going to be closing 2020 very, very strong. Um, Alrighty, you guys, that's what I have for what's new. What's next? So... What's next? The Epic Intensive. I'm already the Epic Intensive January 28th through the 30th. So that's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, um, virtually here in Las Vegas, Nevada. We're going to be unmasking the market um, and just teaching strategies um, for how to navigate during these uncertain, crazy times. So if you go to epicintensive.com, you can purchase a ticket there. Right now, they are on an early bird discount and they will only keep going up as we get closer to the event. Anyway, that's all that I have for you guys today. Let's close 2020 off with a bang and hope you enjoy the show. This is Terrio Media. Success in real estate has nothing to do with shiny objects. 
It has everything to do with mastering the basics. The three pillars of real estate investing. Attract, convert, exit. Matt Terrio has been helping real estate investors do just that for more than a decade now. If you want to make money in real estate, keep listening. If you want it faster, visit reiace.com. Here's Matt. Hey there, Epic Investor. It's Matt Terrio from Epic Real Estate. This is where we show people how to invest in real estate with an emphasis on retiring early. This is the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. And if this is your first time here, really glad that you found us. If you like what you hear, make sure you hit the subscribe button before you go. If this is not your first time here, welcome back. And thank you for sharing this with your friends and family. Uh, if you did not continue to do that, I don't know if I'd still be here. I feel the love. I feel the gratitude. And I really appreciate it. You're absolute best for that. I love you for it. So thank you. And hope you had a, a very happy Thanksgiving all. And uh, got a good show for you today. If you're looking to invest in the housing market, if you're looking to invest in real estate, I don't know why you'd be listening to this show unless you were. But uh you might be a little concerned or a little uncertain considering the ramifications of the, the global pandemic, um, considering the ramifications of an economic shutdown, not to mention the most divisive election of our lifetime. Hey, I totally understand. There's a lot going on, right? The, the landscape has certainly gone through some shuffling of sorts, to say the least. So I did some research over the Thanksgiving holiday and... After that research and taking into account all of this year's events, I've compiled a list of the 15 best new states for your real estate investments. And uh, if you stick around to the end, I also let you in on what popped up as the worst market in the U.S. to invest in. And uh, let's get started, though, with the news. Black Friday, smashing success. Well, not if you're a brick and mortar store. Uh, U.S. store visits fell harder than Poor Nate Robinson. If you saw the fight on Saturday, you know what I'm talking about. Down 52% on Black Friday per retail tracker Sensormatic Solutions. But shopping on U.S. retail websites, websites, however, uh, rose 22% over last year to $9 billion, according to Adobe Analytics. So bad news for for the storefronts, good news for the websites. President-elect Joe Biden named an all-woman senior comms team. And so that was celebrated as women in power. They, it's the Avengers, right? And six of them were celebrated for being mothers. Congrats to them. That's fantastic. But I couldn't help but notice it's quite the opposite as there was absolutely zero mention in the mainstream media of the 12 Republican women that won their seats in the House. That was a huge, <laughs> unprecedented event and not a mention of it. No mention of women power there. And then uh, I also couldn't help but notice the just a couple weeks ago, maybe 10 days ago, uh, Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany and Supreme Court Justice uh, Amy Comey Barrett were actually criticized for taking on such important roles in the government when they have children at home wanting and, and waiting for their care and their love. So Democrats, is it about woman power or not? Is it about empowering working mothers? Or not? I don't know. I, I'm going into this thing with an open mind. I'm certainly not going in like all the Trump haters went in when he won in 2016. I'm going in with an open mind. I'm going to give Biden a shot. Go ahead. Let's see what you got. Let's see what you can do. But um, gosh, I mean, get it straight. <laughs> the shameless hypocrisy, it continues. Um, 
And I guess that brings us right into the next part of this. Los Angeles and San Francisco announced new restrictions to curb swelling coronavirus outbreaks, as well as many other cities in the country. But uh, wait for it. All right on the heels of California leaders violating their own COVID protocols. Uh, To date, in just the last couple of weeks, Sam Licardo, San Jose mayor, London Breed, San Francisco mayor, Sheila Kuehl, L.A. County supervisor, and their leader, Gavin Newsom, California governor, were all caught here just in the last seven days or so violating their own COVID protocols. Many of those violations happened within hours of them voting in these protocols and enacting them. So I just wonder, is this a dangerous disease or not? I mean, we've got these restrictions we've, that are put in place on the people. But our leaders that put them in place aren't too concerned about this virus, are they? Because they go right out and break them within moments of voting for it. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. They want, I guess they just want their people to submit. But, uh, you know, what they, what do they say? Uh, good enough for thee, <laughs> but not for me. And I'm just wondering, will California ever learn? I'm so glad that I left there. I just, um, it's just, it's ridiculous. But, uh, they keep voting in these Democrats. I think it's the only state with the Democratic supermajority. And your leaders just laugh at you. It's really sad. I, I can't believe that. Uh, I really was. I wouldn't have been surprised this year if, if California would have gone red. I thought that I was kind of expecting that, even though nobody talked about it. I was just kind of thinking with, with uh, all of the hypocrisy going on with the leadership there. But wait, California, it's not just you. The dictator like behavior. Uh, doesn't stop at the California border. Listen for your mayor or governor. Uh, Lori Lightfoot, Jim Kenney, Michael Hancock, Muriel Bowser, Andrew Cuomo, Nancy Pelosi, Michelle Lujan Grisham, and Ralph Northam. All caught red-handed breaking their own COVID protocols over the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. I think the only one that the exclusion there was just the uh, the Nancy Pelosi one, which was, you know, she's been made famous for her um, hair salon violations. But uh, looks like you didn't really have an issue with Trump's tyrannical behavior. Y'all just were waiting for your turn. <laughs> and you wanted your turn. You didn't want to wait anymore. And your president hasn't even been sworn in yet. So come on, pull it together. Let's not just be so blatant about it. And, and you know what? I, I don't want to talk about politics, but I just – it's just – and I've turned off the news. I've hit – killed all the notifications on my phone, and I went out and did everything that I could do. I went and voted, and now I just have to watch and wait for the next two years before the midterms come up. And then two years after that, we get to vote for the president, go through this madness all over again. That's all we can really do, right, is just vote and I guess gripe. <laughs> and I want to keep the gripe to a minimum, but – when it's just that blatant and it's put in your face, I mean, you say two plus two is four yesterday and you say two plus two is five today and you get questioned, well, why'd you say it was four yesterday? And then you say, the answer is, well, I didn't say four yesterday. You say, yes, you did. It's right here on video. No, that wasn't me. Like, it's that blatant. It's like, do you think we're crazy? But anyway, moving on. I've got a little bit of a platform here if I can reach one person or so to that has some sort of influence or could do something about it or just awaken somebody. Oh, that's even a bad word, right? We don't want to be the part of the woke generation. But uh, it's really funny. I think the, that, woke, that woke portion of our population is like kind of the – they're starting to reveal themselves as the population that's asleep. They're falling asleep anyway or they've been asleep. 
Moving on, November 2020. That was the month when stocks only went up. So global equities had their best month since 1988, thanks to one promising news that a coronavirus vaccine would get approved before the end of the year. It was approved for the UK. They start uh, administering, I believe, today, or at least it was approved today. Number two, society not collapsing following the presidential election. So small cap stocks, Wall Street lingo for smaller companies that are publicly traded had their best month ever, up 19%. And it's not totally surprising because small caps are often the first to signal an economic recovery per Reuters. Uh, cryptocurrency, I've mentioned this a couple of times because I own some, and so it's a little bit exciting if you own some. Uh, Bitcoin, the world's largest cryptocurrency, hit an all-time high this week, uh, summiting the peak it set about three years ago. An analyst point to greater commitments from bigger finance players like PayPal and Square for driving last month's 40% rally. I actually went and bought some PayPal stock just in case, just kind of compound that. It's a strong company. It's got a huge presence, and they're going to be starting to take Bitcoin. And so I think people are going to flock to it, and I think the stock is only going to go up. That's just my prediction. I don't know anything about stock. I'm a total moron when it comes to this stuff. But uh, just discretionary funds, nothing uh, that's going to make or break me. But it's fun to you know have some skin in the game and then watch the game. Uh, with regard to non-cryptocurrency, the dollar had its worst month since July which is a sign investors stayed away from the safe haven asset and piled into riskier bets. Uh, the environment seems ripe for great growth, right? Then uh, commodities. Gold, also considered a safe haven for investors, had its worst month since 2016. Cray cray. But uh, Sunday was the busiest day at U.S. airports since the pandemic began. Nearly 1.2 million passengers passed through TSA checkpoints. And get this, I know you're all waiting for it. The famous McRib sandwich returns to McDonald's menus. Actually, that was yesterday, if you're listening to this on the date, uh, the release day of this podcast. And I know half of you are thinking you couldn't care less. That's disgusting. While the other 50% have had this date circled on their calendars for the past few months. But did you know Germany is the only country that served the McRib sandwich all year around? Cyber Monday sales hit $10.8 billion per Adobe Analytics. That makes it the top e-commerce shopping day in U.S. history. Boy, the economy is, is doing just fine, isn't it? I mean, it just makes you scratch your head. I mean, I know there's a lot of people that are unemployed and there's a lot of people suffering and hurting. But boy, we're finding the money somewhere because we are spending it like crazy. Uh, Reddit disclosed it had 52 million daily average users in October. That's up 44% from last year. I got to figure out this Reddit thing. I've been hearing about this for a while. I had a uh, an employee a while back. And she was so hot on Reddit. She just thought it was the greatest thing. And I was like, what is that? And then she explained it to me. And I was like, eh, I'll pass. <laughs> just kind of like I was with Instagram and just kind of like how I was with Facebook. I was like, eh, no thanks. And here I am all on it. However, my Facebook usage has been cut back quite a bit. Uh, let's see. BlackBerry. Do you remember that name? Uh, they used to be the, the the BlackBerry phone was like the was the big thing just before the Apple iPhone came on the scenes and they kind of just disappeared. I, Apple came along and just obliterated them. But BlackBerry shares gained nearly twenty percent after announcing a deal with Amazon Web Services. The company's uh, it ditched its smartphones for security software and it looks like it's paying off. So congrats to BlackBerry. I was like stories like that. I think Kodak has a, a, something similar to that as well, right? 
they got ousted for film and they came back in business and did something else. I forget what it was. But I like those stories, how people pivot and reinvent themselves. Alrighty, so real estate. You know, as I, as I lead off just about every show with what we do here at Epic, right? We, we show people how to invest in real estate with an emphasis on retiring early. Probably sound like a broken record if you, to you now, but that's what we do. And that's, that's why I do what we do because, you know, the majority of the population has fed this archaic strategy of, of this 40-year plan. And hopefully if you pull it off right, you'll be able to eventually retire. But the, the craziness about that and a big reason for this show is, you know, if it works out, as I've demonstrated or, or shared with you many times before per the statistics of the Department of Health and Human Services, that that plan fails 95% of our population, flat out fails. And it barely works for 4% and only 1% actually really totally succeed with it. But if it does work for you, if you're part of that lucky 1% or 4% there, um, you know, the best years of your life are behind you. So this is why you want to retire early. At least create the opportunity for yourself to retire early. And that's why my clients come to me, even though they may make good money. They may have been decent at putting their money to work. They might be following the rules and doing okay. But they tell me they're tired of the nine-to-five grind, and they would just like to pick up the pace on their rat race escape. And I tell them, just as I tell you, that nothing will assist the average person faster in becoming financially free than cash-flowing investment-grade residential real estate. Now, as you could imagine, picking the right housing market for your investments can be critical to your outcome. And understandably, I get asked frequently how I choose where I'm going to invest. And uh, Matt, how do you pick your markets? Why are you invested where you are? Because you know I'm diversified all over the country. I'm probably in, uh, let's say, six, maybe seven different markets, five different states, seven different markets. And people, when they ask me uh, for the last decade, how do you do it or why why are you there? My answer has always been the same. And it has has to do with that's where my best property management relationships are. Certainly, I look at all the the other stuff, the, the financials and the economic data and and stuff like that. But if I don't have good property management there, I don't go there. But recently, I don't know, my, my, I'm starting to think a little bit differently. I mean, it's still important. But uh, considering the events of 2020, I, I went ahead and I compiled a new list for 2021. I was a little, not bored, but I was looking for something to do over the Thanksgiving holiday. And I came up with the 15 best new states for investing in real estate. So here's the general criteria for how I came up with this new list. And I came up with four specific questions where I need an, a yes answer. I, it has to be a yes or I'm not going to go there. And I'm talking about like buying and holding and building my wealth. All right. And this is me living in Nevada and analyzing the entire country. Now, I know real estate is local and there could be some contradictions in here. There could be some things about your local market or a market that you know about or a market that's close to you that uh, just didn't pop up on an internet search data, right? Uh, like researching on the internet because we know the internet knows all in it and it's never wrong, right? But um, but this is what I came up with. I just kind of went, started pulling stats. I think I went visited probably 16, 17 different websites, pulled all of these uh these lists together and all these statistics and everything. 
I love statistics. I love the data. Just give me the, give me the information. I'm only interested in the truth. So tell me what the truth is. Give me the numbers. So these are the four questions. One, uh, will properties cash flow? You know, because to escape the nine to five grind, your properties must produce a positive income after all expenses have been paid for your properties, including your debt service. So I just, I looked for a low purchase price to rent ratio. So that was number one. If it doesn't cash flow, it's not my investment. Now that might be different for a number of people or even yourself because you might hold a higher priority on something else about your market. But that's what it is for me. I want it to cash flow. Number two, are people employed there, right? Are there jobs? I want to know if my tenants have stability in their jobs and their careers. And so I was looking for unemployment rates and I was looking for like anchor companies in the area, specifically like names from the Fortune 500. I was looking for diversity in industry. I want to make sure that if one industry collapses, it doesn't collapse the entire market. And I remember back in the, was it the 80s or 90s, early 90s? I think it was the eighties. I don't know. I'm getting so old. I'm speaking in decades now, but, um, when aerospace took a a big hit when I was living in Los Angeles, you know, most of the people, a big portion of the people in Long Beach and almost, gosh, almost the vast majority of the population in, in a city called Lakewood, um, really took a hit when aerospace took a hit and that really real estate market really collapsed. So I, I saw that when I was younger, before I was in real estate and I was like, ooh, I don't want to make that mistake. And then I saw that not too long ago uh, in Houston when the oil industry took a hit. So I want to make sure that there's jobs there, there's diversity in the industry, and I'd like to see like some strong anchor companies, that, that names that are like household names, some stuff that you'll see on the Fortune 500 list. And then number three, I want to know, are people moving there? What does the, the migration look like? Because I want to make sure that there's demand and growing demand to support the property values if not cause them to actually appreciate. If I can get the best of both worlds, I really want to know that. And so I looked up the migration patterns and I looked up those migration patterns pre-COVID and then what's been happening and how those migration patterns have changed during COVID, right? So there's a fourth question that's an absolute deal breaker for me. If I don't get a yes answer to this question, then I'm out. And I'll share that with you at the end as well as what I discovered to be the worst state in the country to invest your money. All right, so you ready? So I'll start with number 15 and work to number one. However, in the point system that I used to create this list, these 15 states were so tightly bunched together in their scores, I consider all of them very viable housing markets for your investment dollars, all right? So even though I'm putting them in an order of how they came up, um, I think I don't think you can go wrong in any of them based on uh, the criteria that I selected. So number 15, Ohio. So Columbus and Cleveland over the last decade, they've been really strong cash flow markets and the state scores well for employment. The number of Fortune 500 companies in the state are, is, are abundant. Uh, property taxes are reasonable and the cost of living makes it an affordable place for your tenants to live. But it is the only state on this list that has had a net loss of people over the last two years. But uh, aside from that, it still made the list because everything else checked out pretty good. Number 14, Missouri. So this has recently been a very strong state for my own portfolio as well as for my cash flow savvy clients, Kansas City and St. Louis specifically. And I was 
pleasantly surprised when I discovered it's currently the state with the third lowest rate of unemployment. Who knew? And that's an important consideration as the eviction moratorium expires December 31st, and most will continue to pay their rent because it's a very low. They all still got jobs there, according to the stats. So I'm going to continue to invest in in those markets uh, through 2021 at least. And this probably explains a lot as to why I haven't had uh, any issues with tenants because that's a big portion of my portfolio is, is in Kansas City and St. Louis. All right, so number 13, Texas. Uh, it didn't score well in most of my categories, but still made it due to it having one of the lowest purchase price to rent ratios and the most Fortune 500 companies in the country. No surprise there, right? Texas has been uh, noted as a very business-friendly state, and the titans of business have recognized that, and most of them are in Texas. So properties will easily cash flow, and your tenants have plenty of job opportunities in Texas. It's got some some cons as well, but if you're looking for cash flowing real estate investments, those are two things that you want to uh, place a heavy priority on. So that's number 13. Number 12, Oklahoma. Now this is Similar to Texas in below average scoring in most of my important categories, but the state is supported greatly due to a very low price to rent ratio and a low cost of living. And its unemployment rate is among the lowest 20% in the country. So uh, I was, it, it, it scored well, actually, even though it was kind of high in some of the other categories and some of those important categories uh, made up the difference. Number 11, Arizona. Middle of the road numbers here, but really strong migration nationally into Arizona over the last two years. And it's been even more enhanced during the COVID pandemic. People have been and continue to flock to Arizona. And the score it received on my list uh, or on my little calculation suggests it's going to, it's a market for a nice balance of cash flow and appreciation. Um, but we know how proper markets that appreciate too quickly, they fall behind in cash flow. But right now it seems kind of balanced. So that's Arizona. Number 10 is Florida. So it's been in the news the last several months as a strong relocation destination and the stats support it. And you, you may struggle though to find cash flowing opportunities in its major metropolitans, but the suburbs and the rural areas of Florida offer plenty. And per U.S. News, Florida is the number two state in the country for fiscal stability and the number three uh, state for education. So leadership is definitely doing something right in Florida. Uh, number nine, Tennessee scored top 10 in every one of my categories with the exception of unemployment. So that's a little bit of a concern. But if you give a little extra attention just to your tenant screening, you should do just fine in the volunteer state. Also, per U.S. News, Tennessee is the number one state for fiscal stability. Another very well-run state instilling an extra level of confidence for your real estate investments, I think. Number eight, Arkansas. Now, this scored well in price-to-rent ratio, scored well in property taxes, and it's number one on my list with regard to cost of living. And the migration hasn't been very strong towards Arkansas over the last couple of years, but it's quickly growing in popularity as a go-to destination among or amid the, uh, the COVID pandemic. And I would probably say 
because the cost of living is so low there, that makes a lot of sense that during COVID migration into Arkansas has really picked up. So it's another really strong candidate for both cash flow and appreciation. Number seven would be Georgia. Now this did very well in my analysis with a low purchase to rent ratio. It has the second best score for unemployment. Um, the state is home to 18 Fortune 500 companies, all great stuff. But Georgia lags just a bit when looking at how many people are actually moving into the state. Migration is pretty close to a net break even at the moment. But everything else, real good, real strong. Uh, number six, Indiana. So looks very similar to Georgia in scoring. A lot of really good stuff here with its strongest attribute being that it's number two on the list with regard to cost of living. And uh, this market has performed very well for my portfolio and my cash flow savvy clients over the years. And it's been pretty stagnant though with regard to appreciation, but strong, dependable cash flow supported by a really diverse industry and a stable working class tenant pool. So Indiana has been a really, really good market. And I was actually very happy and, and relieved to see that it made the list and, and scored as well as it did. Then uh, number five, Idaho. Now, if you don't know, Idaho has been number one in the country for migration in the last couple of years. More people move into Idaho than any other state in the country. And it's still number one amid the COVID pandemic, COVID pandemic even though uh, a lot of other states have uh, experienced big um, changes in the migration into their states in a positive fashion, right? Like, like people were moving there, but now they're really moving there. And with all that happening with all these different states, Idaho is still number one over the last two years, and it's uh, still number one right now. Uh, employment is strong as well. Where the state suffers, however, is its purchase price to rent ratio, likely as a result of the mass of people moving there. It's driving prices up pretty quickly, and the rents just aren't rising as fast. So this state has all the signs of very stable and steady appreciation, but maybe a little bit of a challenge to find cash flowing properties. But then again, with everything else that's in its favor, it might be worth the effort to put some time into Idaho and find those cash flowing properties because it looks like it's a strong future for the state. Number four, Alabama. So this is good. Um, this has been my favorite market the, the last several years as it's provided strong cash flow and appreciation for my portfolio and my cash flow savvy clients. Uh, considering how much I have invested here, I was really relieved to see that it still made the list and, and scored as high as it did. Alabama, it's number one in the country with its purchase price to rent ratio. It has, has the, the lowest property taxes in the country, has a very low cost of living, and it's in the lower third for unemployment. So still unemployment is strong there. And, uh, I will continue to be very active here through 2021. Roll Tide. Number three, North Carolina. Didn't score exceptionally well in any one category, but it did make the top 12 in all categories. So the state is home to 13 Fortune 500 companies and bankrate.com recently named Raleigh, North Carolina, the number four best place to, to live in the United States. And the people agree as migration to North Carolina has been really strong over the last two years and has only picked up amid COVID. Uh, number two, Delaware. Delaware. I mean, this was the biggest surprise for me in my research. I 
it was, Delaware wasn't even on my radar. I don't know too much about the state. I kind of forgot it even was a state. That might have been, if I had to name all 50 states, that might be the one that I would be scratching my head. Gosh, what's that 50th state? <laughs> and uh, it just doesn't come up very often in conversation. But its employment is really strong. Property taxes are second lowest in the country. And people are moving there like crazy. So it's probably worth a trip to, to check it out. Delaware, number two. And number one, South Carolina. So the state has a decent purchase to rent ratio. Migration has been super strong the last couple of years and even stronger during COVID. Property taxes are low. Cost of living is very affordable. Scoring in the top 10 of all categories, the top 10 of all categories, with the exception that it lacks a Fortune 500 company presence. There's not one Fortune 500 company in the state of South Carolina. But it does have the highest and best employed population in the country. So although there's not a Fortune 500 company there, there are plenty of jobs and everybody's working in South Carolina. So I overlooked that Fortune 500 score. So there's the list. Now that fourth question that I need a yes to, or it's an absolute deal breaker, and I kind of let the cat out of the bag early on in this episode today, but uh, is there good property management there? There's gotta be good property management I mean, if you picked one of these states just because it scored well and you, you maybe you value my opinion or you go and do your own research and you find something better, this is your deal breaker question. Is there good property management there? And here's why. Because you can be in the best housing market. You can be in all 15 of these housing markets and think you've got your bases covered and you're going to do great. But if you have poor property management, it's going to be a poor experience for you and likely send you to the poor house. On the other hand, good property management in a mediocre market will be a very rich experience for you. So if you didn't hear your market on this list, don't fret. I mean, this is just 15 out of all the, I mean, it's probably 300 really viable markets in the country. And all 300 will work for you if you have good property management there. You know, contrary to popular belief, it's not the market or it's not the real estate where the risk is. It's the people you choose to work with is where the most risk lies. So just do as much due diligence on the contractors and the property managers that you work with as you do the properties you choose to purchase. And this real estate thing is really difficult to mess up. You know, at Cashflow Savvy, we've managed to find over the years the best housing markets with the best property management for producing the best passive income. And if, if you'd like some help with that, you can download the Frustrated Investor's Guide to Passive Income at cashflowsavvy.com. And then you can hit your, what do you say? Hit your wagon to our train. Is that how it works? <laughs> Something like that. You can just leverage our resources, leverage our contacts, leverage our experience, and you just kind of skip a lot of painful trial and error because believe me, we went through it. So, so you don't have to. Whose slogan is that? That's somebody's slogan. Anyway, so here's what you've been waiting for, though. The worst state to invest in real estate, right? Can you guess? What do you think? Well, it's probably not a surprise. I came up with New York. And here's why. More people are fleeing this state than any other state. Um, although it is home to the most Fortune 500 companies in the country, um, New York has the third highest unemployment rate. It is the fifth most expensive place to live. 
And New York City has the second highest purchase to rent ratio. So good luck cash flow in there. The property taxes are through the roof. Not to mention the obvious, the city has been decimated during 2020. Oh, and New York's finance and banking laws and compliance are the most cumbersome and restrictive in the nation and extremely expensive. Now, a lot of these stats are comprised out of the the major metropolitan of New York City. New York is actually a very big state, and there's other areas of New York where these this these statistics might not apply, but they're so heavily concentrated in the five boroughs of the city that it kind of um, brings it brings the whole state down. So if you're outside of the New York metropolitan, don't fret, not as all is lost. But based on the stats and the impact that New York City has on the entire state, um, it's an investing disaster in its current condition. And Illinois, congratulations, was a close second to New York for many of the same reasons, including it having the worst fiscal stability of any state in the country. But also, heavily weighed down just by the city of Chicago. I still have properties in some suburbs or rural areas. I've actually never been there, so I don't know if there's a suburb or a rural area. But uh, I got some properties in Danville, Illinois, and uh, those have performed pretty good for me over the years, especially after I got everything. I don't know. In the beginning, it was a disaster because I didn't know what I was doing. But, th- but they're doing okay now. So anyway, um, there you have it. Now you've got the 15 best and the two worst. So which one, which housing market did you find the most surprising and why? I would love to know. I wish we could see each other. I wish we could talk to each other through this podcast. But uh, send it to me telepathically. Alrighty, so if you found this episode valuable, who else do you know? There's a good chance you know someone else who would too. And if you think about it, when their name comes to mind, share it with them and ask them to click the subscribe button when they get here. I'll take great care of them. Alrighty, that's it for today. God loves you and so do I. Health, peace, blessings, and success to you. I'm Matt Terrio. Living Yo. the dream. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. Huh. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. You didn't know, homeboy, we got the cash flow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.